This is Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master, creating products customers love. Get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and I want to congratulate you for listening and making time to move towards product mastery. It is a great experience. And today we're talking about the journey, actually, making it from product manager to product officer or product VP. Henry Latham is helping us with this. He is the founder of Prod MBA. And he's going to share his experience and insights. And he's been a product manager and also managed a variety of product teams in multiple countries. And at Product MBA, he helps product managers and owners accelerate their career by teaching them how to build great products. So he has some good insights certainly to share. As always, we do take detailed notes for you. So if you want to go back and see a written copy of what we talk about, as well as a one-page action guide to help you put into actions the key takeaways from our conversation, you'll find those at productmasterynow.com slash three five nine. Henry, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chad. I'm looking forward to the conversation, particularly since you're training product managers all the time through your prod MBA work. And I want to yeah. get your advice, you know, about may- maybe some key things that stand out for you for their career improvement and also what we're talking about moving to that product officer sort of role. I thought a good place for us to begin would be strategy. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's the key thing I see driving our work as product. Yeah. And as you move towards product officer, it's really where you need to start is with strategy. So maybe a discussion on, on how to formulate product strategy. Yeah, it's a, a good place to start because, you know, the, the most common gap that I see. So I have you know, hundreds of conversations with product managers, aspiring product managers, and also many. Usually our sweet spot is sort of product managers with one to five years experience. And you know, the conversation always comes back to this, This, I mean, obviously, right, a, a skills gap, but I think it's particularly strong, particularly pertinent when it becomes, when it comes to product management, because we have this big shift, you know, when we're junior or even, even senior in many cases, where we are very execution focused. And that's, you know, one of four key competencies of product management. So we have execution, product strategy, leadership, leveraging customer insight. So there's a big focus on execution. Which is, you know, is important. Like we have to get stuff done ultimately. And the the hard practice to build is around how do we know that we're we're building the right thing right? around strategy. And in many companies or many for many people in their career, they become stuck because it's quite hard, you know, it becomes a vicious cycle, right? If you're not practicing strategy, then you are ill-equipped to then fill the gap when an opportunity might arise or when, for example, you might move role to another company or apply for a more senior role at another company. So we see a lot of people sort of hitting the, you know, glass ceiling at this stage in their career where, they, you know, they've got execution down, they sort of know what product is like and how it should be run, but they're not building the strategic muscle. And I think, you know, coming back to your question, of how do we actually formulate a product strategy? Yeah, it's firstly, product strategy is a messy, messy term. I mean, strategy is a messy term. People talk about having a strategy. Most cases, they're talking about a plan, right? They are talking about a a list of things that they want to do to do rather than how we should think about strategy. Really, in simple terms, it is it should be very clear what we're doing and what we are not doing, right? What comes within a framework of decision making. Right. So we could be, you know, we're going to be really, really good as a product at speed. Right. We're going to be, for example, the fastest email application in the world. 
take superhuman, for example, we're not actually bothered about all the other stuff. So we don't plan lots of different things, but it's very clear whether you are head of product, whether you're a product manager, whether you are an intern, what is really important for us as a product, for our customer, for our position in the market and how we ultimately make money from it. In terms of how we get started, very finally coming to answer the question in a more direct way, it's not actually that complicated in most cases. I think the big problem is that we read about product structure, we hear about it generally from people working at, you know, Fang, right? Fang company, Here, here's how a product manager at Google manages strategy. Here's how, you know, ex head of product from Facebook managed strategy. And that tends to really overcomplicate not overcomplicated, it tends to take strategy out of a very specific context. So, you know, most companies do not have the competencies to run a detailed and quite complex product strategy. So take Facebook's, for example, you've got multiple products with multiple data points, with billions of data points feeding into, say, launching an artificial intelligence tool, feeding into launching a virtual reality tool, right? Connecting, creating further connection between people in various complex ways. So, you know, what they're trying to do at these kind of companies, that's super complex and it's, you know, not what I do and not what I have experience. But also in most cases, it's not actually that relevant because one, many teams lack the competencies, right? So like that real experience and skills to be able to put into practice something like that. They lack data sets, for example. Second thing, time. Most most companies do not have the, you know, the the 10-year or 20-year Time frame that some of these projects might be, some of these products might be de- developed within, right? So take Google, for example, with their, their moonshot projects. And thirdly, in terms of infrastructure, if you're lacking very deep, complex data sets or the profitability to, say, launch a product that doesn't make money but brings in lots of data, say Google Chrome, for example, as, as a browser product for, for, for Google as a company, then, you know, if you don't have all of these things, which is 95% of product managers that, that you know, in, in the market, rough, then strategy is very different. And actually, in terms of a starting point, when we think of product strategy, again, it's really about, is it clear what we should be doing and what we don't do as a company? Right? So for us, and, and it really, I think the starting point for people that want to sort of start building up that strategic muscle is to answer that question and simply say, what is it that we do and what is it that we don't do? And you can start very simply with understanding what your unique selling point is. So understanding who specifically is our target customer, an obvious thing, but a thing that most companies are not actually that clear on. Second thing, what do they actually want on a deeper level? Right? What are they trying to achieve? Is it, for example, getting the dream body? Is it you know, getting promotion, for example? And, and then finally working out, okay, well, how do we build a product that's going to deliver that specific outcome for them in a very unique way that other people in the market aren't quite doing? So take, for example, you know, like use an example of my own company because it's, it's more close to mine, right? Product MBA. We, we don't, you know, we, we could look at the market when we started and say, well, you know, shit, product schools there, they've just raised $25 million, for example. This is a big venture, venture capital backed company. But our process was, okay, if we understand the customer, we speak a lot to them, we understand what they really want. And then are, is that being delivered by the market or not? And we can find usually a very unique position. In our case, that's being extremely hands-on in terms of how we teach and also very actionable in terms of the kind of content that we're teaching. And because we, you know, we promise that and we deliver that and we improve at that, 
that's how we grow as a business and how we we sort of protect our our place in the market. And I think you can never get better. So you can never not do that well enough, right? Unless your product, eighty percent of products have never achieved product market fit and will never achieve product market fit. Even if you're working on a product that's five, ten, even twenty years in some cases, you know, if these what we would call mature products in some, you still need to anchor your product around a specific strategy. And again, that starts quite simply on understanding who we're trying to serve, what do they really want, and how might we deliver value to them in a unique and valuable way. Right. That is pretty much what strategy is in, in you know in its basic form. I appreciate how you talk through that, tied it to your experience in product management and also how you mm-hmm. how you work there at Prod MBA. I do think big picture in terms of strategy as being a, a plan, and you put some more boundaries around that, right? That it's very clearly what we do do and what we don't do. Mm-hmm. And also, it's not just a plan. It is, as you included, the unique selling proposition here. Who is we're providing value for? Why is it that we should be providing that value? And can we do so in some way that is differentiated, that, that we can defend and protect yeah, from yeah. competitors? Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, an extension of that is, is when it comes to actually, okay, well, what do we end up building? It's simply applying that understanding to our roadmap as well. So, you know, we talk a lot about a strategic roadmap and that might be saying, okay, well, here's our vision for what we want to build, how we're going to deliver value in a unique way. But you know, we might not start with, you know, let's take learning, right? The space of learning. We might not start with an artificial intelligence driven learning platform that suggests, you know, the perfect course for you to do right now or the perfect book to read. So how do we then still deliver unique value with an initial product? And then what might our strategic steps be to move towards that vision and what we ultimately think is the best way to deliver value? But again, it's within this framework. I think that's cannot stress this enough within that framework of who are we trying to serve? What do they want? And and how how do we what's what's that unique insight that's driving everything we do as a, as a both as a product and also as a product organization? Right, and extending that to the business, right? Any work that we do in product is really driven by the organizational strategy, and we start there. Mm-hmm. And like one conversation mm-hmm. I often have with the teams I work with is, you know, well, what kind of product organization are you? Are, are you an organization like 3M that mm-hmm. tends to create new to the world sort of things that people have never seen before, right? Uh, truly radical breakthrough innovation. Or are you a product company more like Apple that tends to take something in existence and make it much more appealing, much better? We might call that the fast follower, where you know mm-hmm. they, there were 100 MP3 players on the market and they came out with the iPod that everyone wanted, right? There were smartphones and they really made the, the smartphone appealing to masses. And they, they keep making things that we know something about into something we really, really want, right? And just having some yeah, some yeah. alignment around those ideas, I think, is really useful. Well, yeah, 100%. And you mentioned vision there. I want to ask you about that, too, because I see an important role. Product managers certainly need to be communicating vision to the team. But as we move into the product VP, product officer role, creating vision for what the product capability is and is doing is really important. So what are your thoughts on communicating vision to those that you work with? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. You know, I think uh, I'll come on to this a little bit later, but, you know, storytelling is is a really key mm. fundamental skill of any leader. But uh, I think my my perspective, personally, my philosophy is always that how do you strip things down to the sort of core and the essential, right? Because, you know, if we're teaching particular people are not going to remember everything. Yeah, they're going to remember 10%. And that is true of a presentation you're going to be doing, even if it's super important, 
or you know you're pitching to investors or you're pitching to the board or you know trying to inspire your team about product they're going to be thinking about what's for supper later right you know they have to take their dog for the vet these you know these kind of things keeping it really really simple and repeating the same message and as we're recording this it's friday night for you and i'm sure you might be thinking about what, what's coming up tonight as well so. yeah no, no, I've, I'm pretty fun. I'm enjoying <laughs> very, the very good of you to do this <laughs> no i'm enjoying the conversation but you know coming back to the question i think there's two aspects so i think there's storytelling that's you know keeping it simple one two is how do you you know you need to sort of tell a story about a customer so it's not good enough to say you know, we want to be the best in the market, but it's really understanding, like, again, who are we trying to, what are the kind of struggles that they're facing? And then ultimately, what do we want to do with a vision? We want to get people inspired and focused around that. So again, it's communicating, okay, what is that unique thing that we're going to do really, really? It doesn't need to be reinventing the wheel. It can just be, you know, we're going to be best in market at customer service. So that's going to be the, you know, the add-on value that we have beyond the core, you know, whatever SaaS product we, we might have. So I think keeping it simple, Second thing, telling that story. And then thirdly, knowing how to bring data into that story as well. So, you know, we've had a bit of a fetishization of quantitative data, I think, over the last 10, 15 years since lean startups come through, particularly. And that is super important. You know, there's absolutely no denying that the facts of what people are doing when it comes to how they're using your application or your product. But what brings color and what inspires people is not how much we've increased revenue it is hey here's john here's how we you know he's he's struggled with depression all of his life using our product after two months here's the here's the outcome that he's achieved with us and that one story can be really really powerful to thread in so why do i say that why do i say that talking about vision because i think it's quite easy to come up with a really sort of motivational statement you can get a workshop together right you can get your executive team but but it's really about how that's going to be communicated that is the most important thing. And again, that's about keeping it simple. It is about telling a story about a customer and then bringing different types of data just to, to add color to the picture. Right. I love the storytelling approach for sure for communicating vision and that focus on the customer. I think it's easy for some product teams, especially with my engineering background, you know, we get enamored about the elegant solution and we start talking about this beautiful thing that we are creating and the the vision becomes how wonderful it is going to be. And we might say it's going to change the world or something, but we never include the customer in that conversation. And if we're communicating vision as product people, we're out there creating value for customers. And so the stories that involve the change that we are going to make for the customer, I think is really important. And I always encourage people to think about describing the work that they do in those terms as well. Right? It might be easy for me to say, well, you know, I'm a computer engineer and I am really involved in machine learning these days. Mm-hmm. Versus saying, you know, I help make it possible for people to have better health because of how we apply uh, artificial intelligence algorithms. Right. Yeah, it, I could completely agree. I think that's, that's a, such an important point because, again, you're tying back these stories to the vision, right? You're creating these strong threads throughout the organization. And again, those, those stories about the customer and how, you know, how you might have helped them, that just reminds people of why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, I completely agree, Chad. You know, it's not about, you know, hey, I'm a programmer, I'm coding. It's, no, you are helping somebody achieve this specific outcome. And that's what, that's the, the big difference. That's the, the, it's a rare company that does that well, that understands that, 
It's not about buzzwords. It's not about having these inspiring sentences. It's simply about how our actions and our words on a regular basis and being consistent with them ultimately leads to sort of a strong culture and a great product. Right. Very good. I've asked a few hundred product managers, you know, why did you get into product management? Right. And often it's a mysterious (laughs) path that we have all followed and we kind of, you know, land in that. Stumbled into. Yeah. But but the number one answer has something to do with I wanted to create value for customers, right? I want to make products Mm -hmm. that customers appreciate. Every now and then I hear an answer which is more along the lines. If I put it more bluntly, it's I want I want to have power in the organization. And you know there there was this notion a long time ago, and I'm drawing a blank on who wrote the article now. Unfortunately, this is embarrassing. On characterizing the product manager as a mini CEO, right? And Mm -hmm. And there's aspects of that are certainly true because we are responsible for the product in many ways, but we have absolutely no authority. Right? So I think we learn pretty quickly, even if you were aspiring to have real power in the organization, that you have none. And the best you can do is kind of wield influence. And I find as people move into that product officer sort of role that they're frankly more appealing to work with if they continue leveraging the influence approach and relying less on the actual authority that they now have to hire and fire people and the like, right? We'll be back with Henry in a moment. As we often talk about on this podcast, consistently launching products customers love is a challenge. And if our product team isn't on the same page, it's nearly impossible. That's why Motorola, Panasonic, Intersys, and other organizations have chosen to improve their product management capability in only nine weeks, meeting virtually 75 minutes a week, leading to improved performance, higher revenue, and more value for customers. They chose the RPM experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, which has helped organizations large and small to better create products that customers love. As participants in the experience make progress, I'm also making observations and taking notes during the virtual sessions. At the end of the experience, I transformed those notes into a customized Next Steps report. It's an action plan for rapid improvement tailored to the organization. After conducting RPM experiences over the past five years, I'm sharing with you the most common recommendations that can put your team on the right track to higher performance. It's in a short report titled, 10 Changes Product Team Should Make Now to Consistently Launch Products Customers Love. Organizations have said that their next steps report alone was worth the cost of the RPM experience. Now, you can get the most common recommendations at no cost. Get it now by going to productmasterynow.com slash love. That's L-O-V-E, love, because the recommendations will help you better create products that customers love. Don't miss out on what other organizations are benefiting from. Go to productmasterynow.com slash love. Now, back with Henry. Let's talk a bit about influencing others. Uh, I don't know if this is a topic that you address specifically in Prod MBA or not, but you know somehow product managers need to wield and, and grow their influence. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually love the 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 sort of introduction you gave there because that that sort of summarizes. You know, there's this whole discussion of is a product manager the CEO? I don't think it matters i think that is an irrelevant conversation right into people love getting into the specifics of whether something's right or wrong the sentiment is really important to me and i think the sentiment is very on on absolutely spot on which is ultimately what does the ceo do yes they you know they work out how we're going to spend money they raise investment these kind of things but that's not what's important in this case it is really about the mindset 
And that is something that is fundamental to how we teach is we get you to, for example, build a real product by yourself on the programs. You get support from students, you get support from mentors, but you're building your own product because that comes from my my personal journey as an entrepreneur. You need to go through that psychological journey, that difficulty to build resilience, to come up against your own ego. You know, if you've get really excited about an idea and then you see it fall flat when you test out in the real world, which is what we make you do even in week one. You need to go through that to then start taking ownership over everything you do and everything that you touch upon. And I think that is the key, that is well, one of the key foundations. I published a book on this topic. Uh, well, the book was called Product Leadership Starts With You. I talk a lot about this foundation, right? These three key things that you need. If you don't have them, you're never going to be effective. So first, you need to be mindful so that you can look at things objectively right, and zoom out. Secondly, you need to be resilient. You actually stick with things when they get difficult because surprise, surprise, they are going to and they're going to be difficult a lot in product, particularly for in an early stage company. And thirdly, to be able to focus on the essentials. So, you know, coming back to strategy, being able to say no, standing up for what you think is you know super important for a company, for you, for your team. So I think that, you know, that is a, a foundation that that we try and again you can read about it you can watch the, all the videos you, want. you need to sort of go through that psychological journey and build that foundation whether you do that with us building a real product you do that in your day work you do that with a coach for example isn't important but the outcome is that you become out quite a strong person because i think without that foundation you know you can read all the, again read all the tactics of how you might influence an executive team about how, you know, which kind of frameworks are more simple and more easy to communicate. Blue ocean strategy, for example, to demonstrate competitive land, but you are not going to stand up in the face of opposition unless you're very strong in your convictions, in your personal vision, in your product vision, understanding the customer, these kind of things. And I think that that's, that's the, you know, again, coming back to my philosophy, like what is the one thing that we can really pass on? I think it is that. Again, yes, the tactics are important. Yes, the framework. So you need to tell compelling stories. You need to bring data to the table. You need to build trust, right? You need to bring results. But for me, it all comes from that, you know, being mindful, being resilient and, and being focused on what is, what is truly important. Yeah, I'm glad you addressed some of the things that are in because that's how I kind of get my way into thinking about influence, right? The, you build this foundation through the work that you do on having people actually build a product and know what is involved in that and mm-hmm. um, having the resilience that comes along with that. Yeah. But those key elements that emerge from that of the confidence of knowing that you can talk to customers, the confidence of being able to present customer mm-hmm. stories to others, the trust that is built up along the way by following through on what you committed to and delivering others, mm-hmm. uh, de- delivering to others. That, that's a big deal. And I think we influence people one person at a time and we kind of build this professional network inside our organization, maybe outside as well, through making it clear what our capabilities are, what our competencies are, and hopefully extending our network so we can pull in the right resources at times that are needed and be seen as the person that can kind of get the job done, whatever that task mm-hmm. is. And I see this mm-hmm. ebb and flow between that competence and trust building is really how mm-hmm. you you grow influence over time. Yeah, I know, you know, and also I think actually important to say as well, like you need the competency. You know, if if you, I see this a lot, and it's you know, it's it's really whinging, right? Is that an English phrase? You're complaining. Many product managers that are in organizations where they there is no strategy, they you know they're frustrated because their manager isn't 
training them properly. They're not working within a strategic framework. But then they'll go to the you know the the boss and say like we need we need a strategy right I've read about this thing called product strategy and we should we should have one and we should do that and you know if you don't know how to, if you look at it from your boss's perspective like you know great come to me with complaints but come to me with actual action I think again like what we try and do is get you to build up the competence you're not going to be an expert on product strategy after building one product out but it's giving you that first repetition so that you're going to have the confidence to then talk about the topic you understand why it's so important because you've seen what happens if you come in with a differentiated offer to a market you know with, without spending a penny and and that's how you're really going to shift the conversation and thirdly you're going to come with results because you will know how to define validate and and communicate a strategy really effectively um so yes it, you know you need your foundation but on top of that you do need you know, some, it doesn't need to be the perfect experience, but you need some experience so that you understand the challenges that are, that are going to be related to you know, whatever you're trying to, to, to influence them about. Okay. A topic that has come up as we've talked specifically by word and also I think encompassed in a lot of what we've talked about is mindset. Mm. And I just want to explore that a little bit more with you about the mindset to be a product manager on a journey to a product officer or product VP. And there's often a growing set of soft skills over the hard skills that may have may have got us into a product role. How do you think of the mindset? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fundamental. I mean, it's, I spent ages writing a book on it, but this this exact topic. But yeah, you're you're right, and I think that is uh, another realization that we see is we deal with a lot of product existing product managers, and many of them do reach a ceiling because they might have a technical background, they understand the frameworks, they are trained as product owners, right? They have experience managing development teams, and that's not the problem. The problem is how do they then go a level up and that usually comes down to the soft skills which is also around mindset i touched upon it before these three principles being mindful so you can look at things objectively being resilient so you can actually stick with things and and focusing on the essentials so that you get the right things done but we talk so much and you know you see a lot of content around you know do we use uh framework a or b for prioritization right do we go with rice and what are the pros and cons of that and and what we're trying to get people to do is really shift their mindset away from, you know, the details don't usually matter. And instead, we want you to be obsessing over vision, strategy, storytelling, because these are the kinds of things you need to be worrying about the more senior you get. And you need to get very good very quickly at doing them well, validating these key things, and then also obviously communicating those and influencing people to, to follow you. And again, how do we cultivate a really strong product mindset? You just have to experience these things. You can read all you want about product strategy. You could read all you want about customer insight. But unless you see the value and see the difference between a generic offer in the market and a specialized offer, and you have those conversations yourself with a real customer, you are not going to stick to your guns, right? You're not going to, to, to stick to the importance of these Thing. You know, take the this famous quote from Jeff Bezos around you know, be be strict with vision, be flexible with the details. You're not going to be you're not going to be somebody that does that, that does stick with vision if you you know have convictions around it. If you haven't sort of built up these experiences, which create that sort of really strong and firm mindset and resilient mindset. 
Excellent. I think that's so important. I love that you shared the quote from Jeff there, uh, strict with vision and flexible with details. Our mindset sometimes can get in our way, like we believe that isn't work that we we should do, or et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, as product people, we need to have a clear understanding of the work that we are responsible for, what needs to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. But we tend to help in other areas, too. And there's times that we want to be careful about that, but we are often seen as the people that solve problems that people go to. Mm-hmm. And having the mindset of that that does extend beyond hard skills that we have is really important and leveraging those resources around us as well. So I appreciate all, all the topics we've talked about, really good information for product managers and people that are on the path to uh, higher levels of responsibility and leadership as well. As listeners know, we like an innovation quote around here. What do you have for us and what does that one mean to you? Oh, it's also a very good conclusion to the conversation we've had, which is excellent, which is great. So my quote is from Josh Waitskin, and it is, quote, it is rarely a mysterious technique that drives us to the top, but rather a profound mastery of what may well be a basic skill set. Why have I chosen that? I've chosen that. Well, hopefully it's clear from our conversation. You know, it is it is about things like your mindset. It is about things like continuous learning. It is about simplifying and you know things like product strategy and actually going and putting them to practice and then iterating on these kind of topics and frameworks that is going to make you effective as a product manager it's not going to be reading all the books doing all the courses getting all the certifications it's about doing the few things that really matter really really well and that starts with you as a foundation and how you approach your self-development continuous learning habits ways of thinking the kind of frameworks you're using and stripping those down even. And it's it's really as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you for sharing the quote with us. I like that one. It's a new one to me. That's wonderful. How can listeners find out more about the work that you're doing and certainly Prod MBA? Sure. I think two things. Uh, I post every single day on LinkedIn about product management, about mindset. So you can follow me at linkedin.com slash Henry Latham. If you want to get started with a couple of the things that I've been talking about today, then we offer a free seven-day mini MBA, just a nice email series. You can get that at prod.mba, so P-R-O-D.mba. Prod.mba. Okay, I got that and your LinkedIn profile address. We will make sure that those resources are in the show notes for everyone. And Henry, I very much appreciate you being with us and sharing these tips. And listeners, if you do want to find a detailed summary of all we've talked about written out for you, as well as that one-page action guide to help you put into action some of the key takeaways that we shared, you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 359. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.